Most Father God, we ask that you bless this service, Lord God, that we be understanding of your word, Father God, that we be receptive, Father God. We just ask, Father God, in Christ Jesus' name, that you give us the mindset, Lord God, the, the thought patterns, Lord God, that are lined up with your word, Father God, and not our own beliefs, and that we don't try to modify or curve your word to our desires and our ways and our understanding, Father God. And just let you, Father God, in Christ Jesus' name, shine through. We ask and pray, Christ, Father God, in Christ Jesus' name, over these things, over this service. We ask and pray. Amen. You may be seated. We're going over to, where are we going? Ephesians what? 30 what? No, 29 through 33. Yeah, see that? Uh-huh, uh-huh. I threw you off a little bit, brother. Wasn't it not much, though, huh? I know. You got it, Sister Cheryl? All right. Yeah, we're going over to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 29 to 31. We're still talking about uh, marriage. And we, we're in our relationship series, and we're talking about marriage right now. And we just want to go on record about marriage and understanding marriage and the connection that men and women have and things like that. You know, we talked already about marriage in the sense that um, we are to be, you know, submissive one to another. Husbands are to love their wives and like Christ loved the church and wives submit to their husbands unto the Lord and that we should submit to each other in fear of the Lord. And so now we're going to go over to verses 29, which fits the, the, the verses that we already read, but I'm, I'm carrying it over because I wanted to connect to what we're saying now because all this goes together as a teaching tool for marriage and how God sees marriage and how God sees relationships between men and women and not how we see them. Because so often, like I said, with submission, uh, women say, oh, I'm not submitting to that guy. Uh-uh, I'm not doing it. You know, I do a lot of things, but... I don't want to be a slave. And Sister Cheryl kind of elaborated on that uh, when we talked the last time, how that's not a slave mentality. That The way the Bible refers to submission has nothing to do with being a fool, a slave, or being taken advantage of, or something like that. It has to do with giving yourself over to be willing to see things from another person's perspective, understand and not always be against or always opposed to things, but submit yourself to hearing the person out and maybe even submit yourself to doing some of the things that are being suggested. And why did the Bible say this to women and not men? Because in a lot of cases, women are not submissive to what is being said. And, 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 the, and the writer of this text knew that. And God knew that, and that's why he gave it to them to say that. And men are not always affectionate and loving to their wives because we think analytically and we think uh, uh, logically, and, you know, we think like that. And so because we think like that, everything is so clinical with us. Bam, bam, bam. And with women, it's more emotional, and we show less emotion than women do. Now, me, on the other hand, I'm a very emotional man. I, I am. Yet and still, for most men, that's not the case. So God knew this. God knew that when he created creation, that especially after the fall, this would be the way that we would be. So it says in verse uh, 29, it says, For no man ever yet hated his own flesh but nourish it and cherishes it even as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bone. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and should be joined unto his wife, and they too should become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ 
in the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. And the wife see that she reverenced her husband. So we're still talking about the same thing. We're still talking about uh, the connection and relationships and things like that. You know, me and Sister Cheryl, we've been together for a long time. We've been together for a while. And I'm pretty sure we done wrecked some nerves. We done uh, hit some nerves that we didn't no longer have. You know, people don't always agree. They have disagreements. They have opposite and opposing opinions about things. And they just simply don't see things all in the same content in the same way. Yet, the Bible teaches us that we should be at peace with all men as it is possible. So in a marriage situation, we should submit to each other so we can be at peace, so we can have that tranquility, that harmony that comes along with a relationship. Wouldn't you agree? And because we should do that and because we should walk in, in harmony and, 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 and in peace with each other, say, the Bible said, how can two walk together at least they agree? So we have to have some agreement in order to walk together. I consider Sister Cheryl be my best bud, and I can have 100 friends, even from childhood. I can have friends that love me and come to my need at any time, and still Sister Cheryl to me is my best bud. And she says that about me, and I hope that she means it <laughs> when she says it. I hope she's not just saying that to make me feel better, amen? Um, and I'm going to give you all an opportunity to speak here in a minute. What I'm saying is, in relationships, we have to have that mindset. We have to have that understanding, that 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 mental capacity to relate to what God is saying in Scripture to us because that's the only way for us to really be a success is to allow Scripture to speak to and through us. And by doing so, we're putting ourselves in a position to actually do the will of God as he is teaching and showing us how to do if we understand Scripture correctly. Some people want to take Scripture, amen, and apply it to their desire, make Scripture fit them. Have you ever heard people say that? Well, yeah, blah, 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 this and third. And so the Bible is saying because it fits their narrative. It fits their mindset. Or they'll pick out scriptures that only relate to their mindset and narrative. But the Bible said we should eat the whole world. We shouldn't add to it and we shouldn't take anything away. So that means we're supposed to consume the whole scripture, not just bits and pieces. We don't supposed to add to scripture. We don't supposed to take away from scripture. We're supposed to do exactly what scripture said. And because of that, we have better, more cohesive relationships and we can love each other and we can be committed to each other and we can do those things that are right for each other and towards each other by the will of God if we just agree to understand scripture and take it at face value. If we don't agree to do that, then we put ourselves in a position to where scripture speaks to us, it just don't speak our language. Anybody like to add anything at this point? Just speak up a little bit if you can. No one? Oh, go ahead. Right. Right.
Okay, when you said fair and honest, what do you mean by fair and honest? Okay, so what you're basically saying is that a lot of men want their wives to be submissive, want their wives to be open, want their wives to do all the things the scripture says, yet at the same time, those husbands don't want to be what the Bible tells them to be loving and kind right. and nurturing to their wives. Using them up. Using them up. And then you're saying on the opposite, you got a lot of women that want men to be loving and kind and treat them right and, nur- and you know, and, 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 you know, kind of be soft with their feelings and emotions. But they don't want to be submissive and, and willing to listen and hear. They just want to be all out there chaotic. Right. And, and it, you're saying it doesn't work. They both have to be in agreement to be this way, basically, is what be, you're saying. Yeah, it has to be equal and equitable. Yeah, it has to like be equal and balanced. Yeah, like Sister Sheriff said, they're not 50-50. Now, you know Sister Sheriff stole that from me, right? You know, she stole that, 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 uh, from me. Well, I said that like, okay. mm. Yeah, y'all kind of speak up a little bit. So, uh, basically, sister, did you want to add anything? So verse 29, no man ever, oh, so no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourished and cherished it, even as the Lord, the church. Because, uh, because you're, simply if you're one, because, you know, when, when you, when you get married, you're considered as one. So basically it's like you, when you love and hurt, you're loving yourself. Because you it's one person, basically, since you made one. That's it. So it shouldn't be shouldn't be hard if you love yourself to love your spouse because it's just like loving yourself. Yeah, but sometimes people can love themselves too much and not want to show love to somebody. You know, they 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 like like they said they're stuck on themselves. But when it comes down to showing love or comfort or honesty or love and dedication and all that to someone else, they're too busy wanting all that for themselves and ain't willing to share give. You know, give that like Pastor said, if you said that hundred percent. They're going to get that hundred to themselves and do you or else scraps and they to get old, which we know. <laughs> but that's how people are. So basically, I guess what we're saying here is that we have to be faithful and dedicated and committed to those things that we are striving to do in marriages and relationships and not allow those things to become uh, unfruitful in our lives. We have to bear good fruit. 
So in marriage, we have to still bear good fruit. We have to be committed. We have to be dedicated. We have to be honest. We have to be kind. We have to be loving. We have to do all those things the scripture is telling us to do. And I like what he said way back in verse uh, 21. Submit yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. You remember when we started off, uh, when we started this uh, lesson with that statement. And he was talking to both men and women at this point. And then it says over in verse uh, 22, Why submit yourselves unto your own husband? And then said, Submit yourself unto every man in every situation wherever you go. And Sister Cheryl pointed out, she said, Unto your own husband. Because we're talking marriage relationships. We're not talking about friendship. We're not talking about co-workers. We're not talking about people we know. We're talking about our home, our marriage, our relationship. And then it goes on in verse 25. Husband, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So husbands are supposed to love their wives to the point of giving their lives up for that, giving their lives over for that. So we have to understand the scriptures tell us to do a whole lot here that we don't want to do necessarily as people. Yet the Bible is calling us to be dedicated and committed in that way, to continue to do the work that God has commissioned us to do as husbands and wives in all situations and all times. Now, are we willing to do those things? That is the question we should be asking. Like Brother Wendell said in the beginning, you got uh, men want their wives to do what they're supposed to do, and men don't want to do what they're supposed to do, or vice versa. Men are giving it all they got, and their wives are just chaotic, you know. They got that old neck-popping attitude thing going. You know how you see that a lot of times? You look like they're going to break their necks. You know, and, and God is not calling us to be that way. He's calling us to be loving for men and submissive for wives, but not to be slave for either one. You know, uh, and, you know, you can go back to the past. I mean, it was both ways. But now, now, today, you got more people that don't want to do these things. I ain't going to, and I ain't planning on doing that. Back then, when you had that loving marriage, even in the church, I mean, you had so much love going on so much togetherness that, you know, it was, it was just spearing out everywhere. But now, I mean, you can barely get people to come to church, more or less. You can barely get people to be straight with each other, honest with each other, you know, loving and kind, because they're too busy thinking of oneself or thinking about what outside of the church or outside of that vow. Because a lot of people don't understand that back then, it was, it was better. It was stronger. I mean, you had more hope back then. You had more things that people were willing to do to survive and make things work. But now, you, you find so many people that just falling by the wayside because they don't care anymore. I mean, why should they? Because they figure, hey, I'm not where I should be. I'm not who I should be. So why continue to do things when it ain't helping me? And, you know, you find a lot of people that just don't want to honestly put themselves in a position to follow God, follow Christ, follow, you know, where he wants us to do it and how he wants to do it. Amen. And that's part of the problem with the church today. And like you said, it's not just in society. It's the church itself. And so, Joe, would you like to make a comment on that? All right. So it's, it's not just society. It's the church. It's the, the person of the church. It's, it's the leaders, you know, because... I heard somebody say uh, one time that uh, the, the, the followers only as good as his leader. You know, you know, a soldier's only as good as his general. 
And so we, we got to understand something. If you got a weak leader, then you got a weak soldier. And if you got a weak soldier, then you got a weak regiment. And if you got a weak regiment, then you're going to go out to battle, feel prepared, and not ready to fight. You got to have a strong head in order for the body to move as it should. You got, you know, you got to have a strong constitution. You got to be able to stand. So in, in my teaching and in, in my educating of the members of this church, I have to be in a position to where I actually bring life to, to what is going on and not just talking. You know, like we say so often, you know, a lot of pastors want to preach what people want to hear instead of the truth. And, and because they don't want to preach the truth and they don't want to tell people exactly what scripture said. Then people say, well, that's just your opinion. That's your interpretation of it. That's, that's how you see it. No, I, that's how God sees it, and that's how God told me to say it. Now, if God is telling you something different, at least what we are talking about have to line up at some point. It can't just be God talking to me, God talking to you, and he's saying two different things, and none of it connects. At some point, what we are saying have to connect at some kind of point. You see what I'm saying? Now, the master leak of a chain doesn't go on the uh, middle. It goes on the front end and the back. Yet, it brings everything together. So what I'm saying is that master link has to connect the chain together. Now, if you got a chain that's made for a tent feed, and the, and, the, and the chain is made different than it is for a uh, BMX bike, then that chain is not going to connect together. I don't care what kind of link you put in it. It's going to be unbalanced. It's not going to be right. It's going to probably pop, pop off the uh, sprocket because it's not made for that bike that way. It has to be a, a, a chain that fits the bike that it's going on. And it has to be a chain that connects. So when we do scripture and we and we go into word, at some point, what I say and what you say have to have some kind of connection. It can't just be, well, I interpret it this way and you interpret it that way, and it has no connection. We and that's the same way with the church. We have to have a connection. When it comes to things of the ministry and the church and what the pastor's teaching, whether it be in like right now with our relationship series, or it be something down the road that we're talking about and, and we're trying to get some understanding of it. God has to give me revelation and understanding of it so I can teach you rightfully and, 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 and you know, in, in a way that is easy to digest. Right. In that sense, you know, we have to be all, not just something. We all have to be in one accord. You know, because, like you said, on that bike, you know, you got that main link on the front and the back. But see, you, you can't just have that front back back and front, you need that whole chain, you know, the middle, the bottom, the top, you gotta have everybody on one accord thinking, not the same way, but just thinking, you know, basically the same way, and getting everything done and making sure everything go accordingly, because like, it don't take but one person to fall off to mess up the whole thing. That's true. You know, so we definitely gotta have it right. If we're gonna do it, we need to stay on that accord and do everything. I agree. So when you say in it together, when we are trying to work together as a body of Christ and Christians, and, and, and we've got to be unified and connected, right? So that's what Paul is saying here. When you try to work together as a husband and wife, you got to be unified and connected. You can't have any kinks in your arm. You know, they had a soldier, and y'all may have heard of this, this, this uh, saying, Achilles heel. They said, that's your Achilles heel. But Achilles was a great soldier of war. He was a great uh, 
battler. You know, he can go to battle and he won many wars, he won many battles, he won many fights. And his armor was true. And the term true means here that it was solid. It didn't have any way of being fortified, you know, by just the normal means. And yet and still, he had all of his body covered, head to toe, except for the heel of his foot. And because he didn't have the heel of his foot covered, he went out to battle and won many battles, many wars, and he was able to accomplish many things. But at some point, at some point, somebody saw that, oh, his heel is uncovered. And so what they did was that small spot, that just a little bit of kink in his armor, once it was identified, they took that, and because they took that, 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 that place in his armor that had a fortification, he was able to destroy Achilles. Because once they took his ankle, once they cut the ligaments and the tendons in his ankle, he fell. And once he fell, he was in a compromising position. If nothing else, he was in pain. Because now he'd have been fortified, he'd have been attacked, he'd have been injured, he'd have been wounded. And that's what we have to do. We have to have our armor com completely covered in truth. God has our back. We just continue to march forward. We have to be better husbands. We have to be better wives. We have to allow scripture to come in and minister to us. And we have to go to God when we need something from God. We, we can't just go to God and the first thing that we do is just run down the street and, and, and get into conflict, you know, yelling out in public and things like that, embarrassing each other. Then that becomes a hard way to live in a relationship. We have to show ourselves uh, uh, worthy of the things that God is doing and how God is doing. Did you want to add anything else, brother? Uh, uh, what else? I mean, uh, a lot of times people feel that, am I worthy? Can I follow, be true, follow Christ? But people got to realize, you know, if, if you're not willing to get out there and do what you need to do to live with and follow with Christ, then, I mean, you can't feel in a certain way. Because if you're not doing supposed to be reading the Bible, you know, come to church, you know, you know, just, just listen to the word, or, or even come and speak the word, you know, you, you fall, you drop. So you, you can't be worthy of something that you're not willing to put forth an effort to be or do. Amen. You know, Sister Cheryl was talking one day, and she brought this to my attention. Uh, it's only in the book of James, the first chapter, verse 19. He says in verse 19, he said, Wherefore, my brothers, <coughs> beloved brothers, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Be swift to hear. Listen. Be slow to speak. Don't always have something to say or waiting to have something to say when they finish and you're not really listening. You just wait for them to get done so you can say something. And slow to wrath. Don't get angry at everything they said because then it clouds your judgment and your better ability to understand and to hear what's being said. You know, you're going to get angry and frustrated. So nothing they're saying, whether you're speaking or listening or not, it's gonna sound right to you at that point because you done became angry. So everything that's being said is coming all brass to you, harsh. You know, they shouldn't have said this, they shouldn't have said that. So why did I throw this in here? Because in marriages and relationship, a lot of these things are neglected in this text of scripture. We're not, you know, swift to hear. We're not listening. We're not slow to speak. We're trying to jump in there at every opportunity, every chance, not even letting the person finish, we over talking them. And we don't get angry. So we're not really listening or want to talk anymore. We just want to go. Or we want to react in some kind of negative way. It's just like, I don't know, I guess I think it's Sunday when we was talking about it. It's just like the character of Charlie Brown. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's all you hear. You're not hearing what's really being said. You're not really wanting to listen. And sometimes when a person is saying something that 
personalities and things like this and sayings that we have now for just being me. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, you got women saying that they're, they're the boss and they're running everything, and the Bible doesn't support that. And then women get angry and frustrated when you say, well, that's not the proper role that God had for men and women. Well, then, you know, then you got to argue. Or you tell a woman that, you know, God made women homemakers and stuff like that, and they feel like that's a belittling thing to raise children, to sit home and take care of the house and to cook a meal and, and to wash clothes and to raise the kids. You know, it all will make you almost scared to say that that's what they should do. You should be home watching. Well, I should be washing dishes. You should be cooking. I should be cooking. Raising kids, washing clothes. What's wrong with you? You know, they see that as a belittling thing when the Bible honors things like that. The Bible honors that a woman should take care of home. <clears throat> a man should take care of his home by going out laboring in the fields or working and, and, and leading his home and, and being, you know, a protector and a corrector. And a wife being a nurturer and a homekeeper. And it used to be a time when those things wasn't bad words to women. To hear a man say, I, I, I thank you for raising our children and being a good mother. They honored that. They saw that. And it used to be women used to say, oh, raising kids is a job too. Now they see that's a belittling thing. The, the narrative of life has changed. And we're being programmed and we're being indoctrinated with different mindsets and we're buying into, especially the millennials. You know, they had the first generation next when 2000 came in. Then when 2010 rolled around, then they had the millennials. What is going to be next? Then we had the flower children and the baby boomers back in the day. The hippies and all this. Now we got the, the generation next when 2000 came in. And now we got the millennials. And nobody seems to be qualified, let alone, uh, 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 you know, be worthy, let alone qualified, to do the work anymore. You have just a few left that can remember things that they should be. People like you, I, and Sister Cheryl. There's no harm in me going out working hard, taking care of their home, coming home to a meal and, and, and comfort and, and loving his wife and protecting his home. There's nothing wrong with a wife, you know, raising her children, being a home wife. There's no, uh, 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 no, uh, I can't think of the word. There's no shame in that. There's no belittling in that. That's a good thing. Look at the condition of our kids now. <laughs> because we don't do it. Back in the day, I'm not saying kids was perfect. We weren't perfect children. We were better, though. So husband and wives ought to love each other. They ought to commit and submit to each other. They ought to do it unto the Lord, as the Bible tells us to do. And more than that, we ought to live lives in a way that is peaceful in our home so our kids can see a better way so they can grow up doing better things. Kids don't know how to do anything anymore. They don't know how to go out and get a job or iron their clothes to work or even talk properly on the interview or dress properly for the interview. They don't know how to write a check. They don't know how to do anything anymore. They don't know how to balance an account because that's not being taught. When I was in school, that was, those things were taught. Now they're not being taught anymore. When they taught Sister Charles, I can't hear you. That's what I'm saying. They was taught. Now we live in a world where our kids don't know how to do anything. They bore with some other people's knowledge. And so that's my thing right there. We, we shouldn't just be bored with some other people's knowledge. Right. We should know ourselves. Like you said, it was taught back then. But see, now a lot of parents do well themselves. Don't hold their kids accountable for anything. They just um, let them roam freely, do what they want freely, come in freely, you know, go freely, smoke, drink, whatever. You know, they, they, they don't hold these kids accountable for anything. This is true. You know, they're, they're willing to supposedly raise them a little bit, but they don't 
they want the community way and they want the city way. That's and right. They don't want to have to put that other percentage money. And they don't realize that the more they slack, the more things they fall back on. That's right. The more things that happen. So, That's yeah, right. I, I agree with that. That's right. Because most parents think all I have to do is give them three hots in the cot. That's all they're doing. They're just raising their kids, making sure that they're fed, they got a roof over their head, and you know, their clothes, holidays come, birthdays come, doing stuff like that. They're not doing a whole lot in between. You know, I've seen a lot of kids personally, I know personally, a lot of young people that used to be in our youth program that done went wayward. They're in trouble. They dropped out of school. They're, they're in these uh, homes and things, you know, for well, kids who have disciplinary problems and things like that. And nobody seemed to understand that that comes from a broken relationship or a broken heart. I know you said that you can't blame everything on the parent, and you can't. Yet your parents have to take responsibility for their parts and things. You know, I'm not going to discipline my kid no matter how he talks to people. I know somebody right now whose children, a couple of their children, that talk bad to somebody I know personally, and I have yet to see some real discipline go forth for what those kids did. I see it being, you know, just blown off, you know. And me and Sister Cheryl used to talk to this person and this one person in particular all the time about how their child was. Nothing came up. They always excused their child. Always excused their child. And I remember standing up telling this person one time, warning them. I was hoping and praying it wouldn't happen because some kids do get back on track. I was warning this person. I said, if you don't do something about it, I said, I understand what you're saying. You know, this, that, and the third. People this, people that. Sometimes it's not your child's fault. I get it. This child is doing a lot of things that are not right. And that's not me picking on a child. My child did things that weren't right. My point is this. You have to see these things and you have to see them for what they are and you have to stop excusing your children and become a parent and not a friend. Did you want to say something else, Brother Wendell? Uh, yeah, I was going to say something. I don't know how to say it. But what is that saying? Raise a child in what? Oh, uh, raise a child the way they should go when he is older and not depart from it. Right, but see, that's the point. They're not raising them in that sense, mindset, so yeah. How can they depart from something that they're not going to come? That's right. You can't depart from something. You can never depart from it or could lean to it right. if you're not being taught. Right. Same way with this marriage thing. We have to be taught these things. Right. So, you know, for being held accountable, <laughs> you know, sometimes the, the parent ain't holding themselves accountable. So a lot of times they can't hold a child to something that they're not, you know, holding themselves to. Because a lot of them are falling themselves. So. They, they get to the point where they let somebody else or let the child raise themselves because they don't want to do it because they don't really know what's going on themselves. Okay. So, sure, you sure you got nothing to say? I was going to say that last part you just said that it takes a village. And if you got a good village behind you trying to help your kids, go ahead and let, let the people help. Don't try to, you know, pick up some kids and they know it's going to be better for them in the end. If, um, you know, you allow everybody to try to give you some input to help you. Because like you said, some people don't even know how to parent or how to um, to parent or, or raise their kid. So it's helpful when you have somebody that's uh, promoting and trying to assist you in doing it correctly. You, you said assist you helping you do it correctly? No, no, I said doing it correctly, yeah. To raise your kids. To, to, you know, to help with your kids. Like you said, I said, 
town, or this, that, and that, so they'll raise their child. But what people don't realize, in that process of raising their child, everybody has to be on that same level, the same accord. They have to make sure that they're doing what they supposed to do. Because you know, a lot of times you get other people help to raise their child. Not only that you're not doing that right, but that child is learning something different and not right from somebody else. So everybody got to be, if they're going to be on that one accord, it's got to be that one accord and be the right accord. Because if you get me trying to raise that child and then my neighbor's trying to raise that child and the man in the street and the woman up the street, then this child is going through four or five different situations where they were all in one accord, that child will be going through one situation and do the right way. Amen. I agree with that. And, and that's why husbands and wives have to be submissive to each other because in order to parent and parent correctly, you're going to have to have some kind of standard in which you parent by and which you discipline your children by. Like you said, raise the child the way that it should go and when he is old, he's not depart from it. And it also says in that same book of Proverbs, you know, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction puts it forth from it. So that's over in what? Uh, verse 15 of that same uh, book of Proverbs 22. So what I'm saying is parents have to be in, in one stand. I'm not saying that parents don't always agree in the same mindset, but a husband and wife in a marriage situation have to at least have the same core values and core uh, mindsets and goals for their children. Otherwise, you're going to have children always waging war between the parents by going to mama for one thing, daddy for another thing, or to neither one of them because oh, I know all I got to do is just get caught an argument between them and they ain't going to even go out of the house for the night. I didn't clam out of my window. You know, when kids see disorder and break down in the house, they become disorderly and break down because you are their, their guideline in the, in, in the home. God is your guideline and you're there. So you have to emanate the, 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 the person of Christ to your church. And when you fail to do that as husbands and wives, marriage couples, when wives don't submit, and husbands don't love their wives like they should, children need to, or girl need to see his father, her father love his wife right so she know what a man's supposed to treat her like. A son should see his father love his wife right so he know how to treat his wife and vice versa. Uh, a son should see his mother be submissive to her husband so he know what a good woman is like. A girl should see her mother be submissive to her husband so she know how to deal and act in her relationships. <clears throat> so we need to be uh, uh, fortified and unified as husband and wife in all these things. And when it's happened, we're not those things. We're less fortified, we're less disciplined. And because we're less fortified and disciplined, we're not in a position to where we can actually do things according to God's will as husband and wife. Did you want to add anything to me, Sister Carol? All right. Did you want to add anything else, brother? Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times, like when we were talking about that waiver, you know, a lot of times that can play in there too because when, you know, you're being wavered, you know, you, you can't tell or teach something if you're just, you know, off and on. Or if, if, if you're moving on, you know, it's even going to be not, not to be hot or cold. So we gotta learn that in order to get it right, we gotta be set in stone. We gotta make sure that it's a positive thing, a right thing, and a honest and truthful thing. You know, you can't just be here and there and all over the place. Expect your husband and wife, either one, to be right, or your kids to come up right. And that's true. And I agree with you, brother, one there. And yet, still, I want to add this to it. 
Say you, you might remember you saying this yourself. You know, if you got a bad wife or a bad husband, you still have to be qualified, not qualified, but you're still required to be right yourself. So you have to meet the qualifications of righteousness because you may be the one that actually bring that person around by them seeing your light shine. Sometimes in a relationship, you can't just because your husband is acting up, act up too. Because your wife is not doing what she's supposed to, you just break down and you quit. No, you got to stay the you got to stay the court. You got to, you know, you got to toe the line. You got to carry the weight for both of y'all sometimes. That's just what that is. And if you don't feel like you want to carry the weight, then you got to ask yourself, am I even right myself? Why am I not willing to carry the weight? I married this person. I believe God gave this person to me. I believe this is my husband or my wife. I believe that we're supposed to be joined together. So why am I breaking down? Why? I know it gets hard. I'm not saying there's not breakdowns on both sides. I'm saying that if you can hold the line and you can stay the course, hold the line, stay the course. Don't just give up and give in. Amen? And a lot of times that's what people do. They give up and they give in. And women should stand up and fight. If something matters to you, you're going to fight for it. Your job, you don't just walk away from your job. You know it's important. It pays your bills. It takes care of your home. It makes sure that you got a little pocket money. You can take a trip every now and again. You can buy some clothes. You take care of that job. Well, you should take care of that relationship the same way. Matter of fact, that relationship is more important than that job because that relationship is your standard that God gave you in, the, in life as a husband or a wife. Now, that's going to trump everything else in the natural. Yet still, we make our husband and wife be secondary, come behind most things in life, and then we wonder why they discourage and don't want to continue on the journey. Because they stand there watching us not do our part, and then, we'll, and then they... they we say they got the nerve to be upset about it. Yes, they should be upset. God joined y'all together. You're the only person they got as far as a relationship. If they're going to do God's way, you're the only person they got. So if you're not doing your part, if y'all not spending time together, y'all not doing this, y'all not doing that, y'all not enjoying each other, y'all not smiling and laughing, doing a little nice thing for each other, then what do they have? If they go out and step out the relationship, they done done two things wrong. One, they done broke your heart by cheating. They done broke God's heart by cheating. You know? Even if it don't break your heart, it always breaks God's heart. And if, if God said, well, I'm just going to be done with it, it still breaks your heart. So either way, you've done something that's broken down the relationship, both spiritually and naturally. Yet and still, we complain about, well, why they do that? Because you've been neglecting them. A lot of people fall to that, 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 that demon of neglect. They succumb to it. I'm not saying nobody should succumb to that ever, never, never, ever. What I'm saying is a lot of people do. Then you get in their head, well, he's neglecting me, she's neglecting me. They're not doing it, they're not doing that. They did it when you met, they did it this part of your life and your relationship. Now they're not doing it anymore. They got they, they done got busy, they done got all about you. They no longer have time for you. And it's true. So you know it's true, and the enemy whispering in your ear, and you can like that line you say, you give an ear to that, you got to dismiss that immediately because you'll get caught up if you don't. So you give ear to that, guess what? You done had a breakdown before it even broken down. Because now you're going to become discouraged. You're ready to quit. Because the enemy that told you all this truth, but he's doing it to, to destroy your relationship. He don't love anything that God loves. He won't see everything that God loves destroyed, including the marriage. The marriage is the foundation. You see what I'm saying? Just like Christ is the foundation of the church, the marriage is the foundation of the home and of the husband, the wife, and the children, and all that's, that's accomplished in that. So in the end, I want to say this tonight. Uh, we're going to be going back over this on Sunday. Uh, I hope y'all have something prepared and ready to say. I think this is a good lesson. I think it teaches us to be better in our relationship in all areas and in all ways to submit one to another. The wives submit to their husband. Husband love their wife. And with that being said, we can get ready to uh, uh, end everything tonight and uh, 
And we'll pick back up on this on Sunday, okay? Amen.